You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Why Not Mint Money, Mint's flagship personal finance podcast. Today we have RM and Veer with us who is the founder and CEO of Wisex, which was formerly Mayer Capital, India's first tech-powered new reality platform. So today we are going to discuss uh, what's happening in the alternate investment space in India. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. So over to you, uh, Ariman. If you could start with your background and uh, how Wisex has evolved over time. Uh, sure, Akshat. Uh, you know, thanks for having me uh, and for the introduction. Just to give you a quick background, uh, you know, into alternatives uh, and where my journey began. So I was actually working in the US post my uh, education. So I did my undergraduate and masters from the University of Pennsylvania. And actually, at the start of the pandemic, I myself got into you know alternative investments. Like many other individuals, I think you know a lot of people found time and sort of got into investments more so at the start of the pandemic. So you know, I quickly picked up a keen interest in alternative products, and I realized that you know there aren't too many platforms in India, sort of benchmarking to the U.S. Uh, competitor landscape that provides such options for investments, right? So that's where I decided that you know I should move back now. Uh, I was very keen to sort of start this platform. So I actually returned to India on the Vande Bharat flight, uh, which was one of the first evacuation flights. And post that, you know, one thing led to the other, and uh, our platform is where it is today. But the journey journey has definitely been very interesting, and I think we can discuss that through this call. Sure, interesting. So uh, now let's talk about Wisex. Like, how has the product evolved? How are your offerings evolved over the period of time that you've started the company? Sure. So you know, when we began, we started with a product called Fractional Ownership. Uh, we were actually one of the first few platforms, and like you captured in the introduction, we got uh, you know referred to as the first new reality platform in India. What this uh, concept entailed is that fraction uh, that commercial real estate as an asset class in India has been very attractive. In fact, uh, you know a lot of foreign funds uh, refer to it as the blue-eyed boy of private equity. So we wanted to open up the asset class to a much larger investor base and allow uh, you know retail investors to participate in India's growth story. So one of the main barriers to entry that we realized is that the operational expertise that's required to manage these assets and the quantum of funds that's required to purchase them. So a lot of these uh, institutional-grade properties started 50 crores, 70 crores. So you know it's quite a lot of concentration risk even for an HNI. So uh, what we decided to do is introduce fractional ownership, whereby uh, you know investors could own a bite-sized portion of that of a curated commercial real estate asset, uh, and the management was done by our team. So it was a sort of seamless, hassle-free solution. And what we incrementally brought onto this offering was a secondary marketplace for liquidity. So unlike traditional real estate, you know because we are transacting transacting fractions of a property. The number of potential buyers goes up significantly, and in turn, uh, you know, the liquidity gets addressed uh, sufficiently. So we saw quite a few uh, secondary transactions. Also, our average time of sort of matching a buyer to seller was under two to three days. Quite a lot of liquidity was introduced. But this was our first product offering. Uh, you know, we scaled it quite drastically. We acquired properties in Pune, in Mumbai, in uh, Bangalore. You know, we were evaluating uh, a school in Gurgaon. So it sort of opened up the entire landscape, and it also introduced a new source of capital to developers and landlords, right? So 
developers and landlords usually had to deal with funds funds um, you know don't like to do smaller ticket sizes of 40 crores 80 crores most of them try to do 200 crore deals so there was a sweet spot for us to operate there was a value add to both sides investors as well as the landlords you know that we were providing so this was our first product offering what we supplemented this with uh, you know a few months after was our debt vertical now again this is an alternative investment product where uh, you know we are sort of working with corporates we are giving debt to corporates and again our investors are providing the capital to provide this debt now why our debt is differentiated is uh, two reasons fundamentally one is that we don't buy market debt uh, which means you know the the market bonds we we originate all our opportunities which means that you know we go and work with these corporates we do a full financial and legal diligence we understand what are the assets in their balance sheet that we can hypothecate or that we can collateralize and what are the receivables that we can utilize uh, you know in the coming future to service the repayments to investors so by sort of structuring the entire transaction we were adding a significant value add in terms of the risk adjusted returns that were being proposed to investors and very quickly this vertical also started to scale i mean i think today we've done more than 250 crores of uh, AUM only in this vertical, and it's only been uh, you know 11 to 12 months uh, since since the launch of this segment. So both products uh, you know have have got a lot of uh, traction from investors, from family offices, from partners, and we're quite excited to sort of have both of them live and scale them up now. Interesting. So I think a couple of weeks back you launched your first SDI product, uh, if I'm not wrong. So, SDIs have been the talk of the town, especially for the retail investor. I think a lot of platforms have launched SDI products in the last, I think, one year with Grip starting the bandwagon. So, like, how how is your SDI product different from what is traditionally available on these platforms? What was the underlying asset? How was it structured? What were the risk mitigants? If you could explain that. Sure. So, first, you know, I'll just take a step back and I'll talk about SDI as a framework. So, SDI is nothing but a securitized debt instrument, which fundamentally is a debt security. Now, um, you know, there are two parts to any debt transaction. One is the entire structuring, origination, collateralization, uh, you know, that entire part of it. Uh, and the second part is securitizing it into an instrument. So, uh, I think a lot of the emphasis should be on the first part, which is actually uh, evaluating the credit and ensuring that the uh, returns are adjusted. And the second part, uh, you know, which is basically securitizing it, that's where the SDIs sort of come in. So, you can use an NCD, a SDI, a PTC. So, there are many different kinds of debt security. So, I think that's only a means to an end. But the true essence of every transaction lies in the, uh, you know, the way it's structured. So yes, we launched our SDI recently and I think that the increase in popularity for an SDI is fundamentally because of the new regulatory requirements for every instrument to be uh, you know, rated as well as listed. So SDI is one of the instruments that more easily enables and facilitates uh, you know, that entire aspect. So I think that's the fundamental reason it's got popularity. That being said, you know, debentures uh, are also continue to be a popular instrument. Understood. So, it's like specifically talking about your deal, it was uh, a bit interesting, like the collateral, like you, you had land and plants as collateral, if I'm not wrong. Correct. So, in our most recent transaction, I'll just spend a moment and, uh, you know, discuss it. So, there's some context. But, uh, so in our most recent transaction, we are working with a EPC O&M provider. So, what okay. this basically means is an EPC is a company which does uh, engineering, procurement and construction. So, they take mandates and they construct the entire facility. In this case, it was a solar plant. So the Swaryu Energy, the EPC provider, constructed a solar plant. They handed it over to NLC since this was a mandated construction. 
and then they signed a 15 year contract for the management uh, you know of that entire plant and there receivables which are uh, stipulated on a quarterly basis which are being paid for these management services by nlc india to swaryu energy so um, you know in this entire structure what we realize is that the receivables uh, on the management aspect are very very stable there's a very high gross margin on these uh, receivables uh, and there's a very good track record of nlc nlc is a triple a rated company it's a pse it's a navratna company so you know it takes all the boxes in terms of credibility so what we went out and did is we securitized these receivables uh, into an sdi product uh, so now the future receivables that come in will be utilized to actually repay the investors that are participating in this sdi investment um so the, the risk has actually been diversified from just swaryu to also nlc but what we also emphasize always is uh, you know accounting for the black swan event uh, or the or the worst day uh, you know which always basically means that the receivables are not coming in so for that what we've done is we've added five different layers of collateral the first being assets so we've added a lot of uh, equipment and machinery which have be, which have gone into this uh, solar plant we've added the land on which the solar station is uh, positioned because that that piece of land is like the heart of the entire solar plant right so it's a very it's a very crucial uh, uh, sort of component of the solar plant without which the entire facility sort of will come to a standstill so we securitize that as well now above and beyond that we've also taken guarantees from the uh, promoter of uh, swaryu so he's given us a personal guarantee which extends the obligation of repayment just from the receivable also to his personal asset uh, in addition to that we've taken an operator guarantee which fundamentally means that swaryu energy irrespective of nlc is paying on time or not they are obligated to ensure that the payments come to us on time and the third aspect to this is uh, you know a corporate guarantee so the majority uh, holding company of uh, swaryu they've given us a corporate guarantee as well just to ensure that even if swaryu can't fulfill the obligation we have a uh, corporate guarantee so apart from all of this we also so you know as important as it is to ensure that all payments in complete go back but we also have to ensure they go back timely so to accommodate for this we always keep a uh, you know 1 and 1/2 crore or 2 crore depending on the size of the issuance ka uh, security deposit which is utilized to you know in case of any late receivables so that way investor repayments are always on time so that's that's something we've incorporated in this deal as well understood understood so since we are uh, since this deal was around solar projects so i think in the last 2 3 years i should say like like the five, last 5 years a lot of uh, these green investing startups have popped up in india they're like offering solar projects solar solar panels as an investment option so just wanted to know your wanted to know your view on it like they are they're playing all types of marketing gimmicks uh, like you are emitting this much amount of carbon in a year and just by like subscribing to a 50000 rupees deal you could just offset it so like what are your views on like solar panels as an asset class for the retail is it makes sense like what kind of risk exist can we talk about that so so you know when we are evaluating companies um you know we have to look at the nuance of that particular company and just to give perspective you know there startups in every single segment uh, and every industry for that matter and uh, a lot of the startups yes will not have good credit because they are risky uh, investments irrespective of solar or not solar and there will be a segment of startups that will be doing well however we usually try to only work with mature companies and in this case swaryu energy has done a revenue of more than 350 crores um you know nlc india has a profit of approximately 1500 crores so you know these are very very stable uh, organizations they have a, a very good track record they've been profitable for the last 3 to 5 years uh, and in fact nlc has been prop, uh, profitable since inception 
you know these companies have been incorporated in 2010 or before so there's a there's a lot of uh, legacy to these companies so more than the sector we have to look at the business that that particular company is operating in as opposed to uh, you know generalized solar um now let's assume tomorrow like even if these solar panels are not doing well or they're doing badly uh swaryu energy has done a mandate with nlc for a 15 year uh, contract right and nlc is basically a pse which means it's government operated to a extent and they are largely driving the 2030 vision of renewable energy so uh, nlc has not only done this plan but they also put in mandates for additional plans right going forward so whilst we may not even lend to another similar solar company uh, you know which doesn't have the strength of receivables but largely in the onm model with government receivables we are quite confident of uh, you know repayments being on time understood so so now let's get back to sdi so a lot of uh, platforms were offering uh, asset leasing and invoice accounting earlier through the llp model and now i think a lot of them i think all of them have shifted to the sdi model so right. like what's the difference and what are the merits of uh, like if you could compare these two models for let's say an asset leasing transaction the first and most important thing for an investor or for that matter anybody who is looking at these two as a comparison is to ensure that the deal is good now when i'm saying the deal is good it means that the credit is good that uh, you know the receivables are mapped uh, there's sufficient comfort on the longevity of the company that you're giving debt to so a lot of these things the collateral is uh, you know solid so these things really make a difference so the valuation should be there now coming back to the llp like i mentioned earlier this is just a means of securitization which means taking that credit that you've structured and putting it into an investable format however uh, you know the reason why a lot of companies are pivoting from llp into sdi or other structures is because of sebi's requirement to have rated and listed right so an llp is not a rated rateable or listable instrument it's also not a instrument that uh, uh you know is compliant with the updated norms of sebi so hence uh, there's a lesser popularity on these kinds of structures going forward understood so uh, since uh, you guys is also doing fractional real estate and now sebi has come with uh, a huge range of uh, regulations that are going to uh, like come in, in the next four to six weeks so uh, like how how do you uh, as a player in this uh, industry view the regulations sure so you know regulations are always very healthy for a industry in fact uh, you know just rewinding a few years let's say 3 years ago when we started our company i still remember the acceptability the questions that we were asked about uh, alternative structure like fractional uh you know these were very very skeptical and as should be right if if a product is not governed by a market regulator then as a investment avenue investors will have questions partners will have questions and that being said i just want to underline that you know there's a difference between uh, being regulated and between being com- non compliant so you can be compliant and still not regulated which is fundamentally where all alternative uh, investment products uh, you know they sort of uh, start from and that's where they really grow from usually when they become mature that's when they shift from this space and sebi sort of gives you a, a regulated framework to facilitate more scalability with uh, you know safeguards in place for investors so sebi basically uses that as a you can say proof of con- uh, concept or a case study to understand the nuances and then make a, a tailored sort of solution for uh, investors with respect to the regulatory framework so that's really um, uh, you know my perspective that to sort of go from the current Uh, industry size to go from the current platform size to where you know let's say foreign platforms are like the ones in US are selling at forty thousand crore AUMs individually and in India the entire industry is three thousand crores so you know to go from here to there you do need uh, regulation regulation always is a 
you know bittersweet uh, solution because it allows scalability but of course it comes with a little bit of uh, short term pain wherein you have to adjust your business does get short term impacted but from a longer term vision it's always very very beneficial so you know this also gives a lot of guardrails for investors uh, it prevents bad actors from entering the sector it uh, gives a lot of standardization of information to investors transparency of fee structure so Uh, from that perspective we are very supportive of the regulation we you know we've uh, been waiting for it in fact we had paused our business in anticipation of it and now that it's here we are quite excited uh, you know to adopt it and sort of scale within it understood so i talked to a lot of uh, uh, players in this segment fractional real estate so uh, some of the regulations were a bit prohibitive according to a lot of players like the minimum paid of capital requirement and the skin in the game i think the skin in the game is 15% for each deal So like right. what do you feel what are your views views on that that part of the regulation so so you know usually when there's a new framework and a new regulation uh, the market regulator should and does take a conservative stand like you know even if you see the initial regulations that came from mutual fund uh, they were a lot stricter than what they are today and you know as and when sebi uh, sort of saw how the regulations panned out you know as and when the players respected it uh, the regulation sort of eased out and there were additional aspects being addressed Uh, that may not have been previously addressed so you know it's a slightly dynamic situation and as long as the entire uh, uh, stakeholders or the various platforms in the industry uh, respect and work closely within sebi's regulation you know sebi usually is there to uh, enable and facilitate as opposed to restrict so i think that's a very very important aspect uh, you know of being a market regulator so um, you know that's basically the perspective understood So I have a, a last question. That's that's for basically for our audience, since uh, the mass audience that we cater to is the retail investor. So if a retail investor wants to diversify his portfolio towards these alternative products, can you give give us a framework, like like say four five things that he should look at each asset class or each platform that. that he could potentially invest sure so i think the first and foremost in a business like this is the track record of the platform because you know quite often uh, users uh, get pulled in by the marketing which is of course a funnel to target users but users should not get convinced by the marketing right the marketing should be uh, an entry point to get introduced to innovative platforms but what should be the conversion point is actually sitting and looking at the nuances of each transaction or each deal Right, so an investor needs to look at the deal that he wants to participate in, evaluate, uh, you know, evaluate it, the information that's provided to him, and ensure that that's all at par with the expectation. So going through the documents is a very, very important aspect. And like I mentioned, track record. So that also sort of tells you how the platform's done in the past. If need be, you should also talk to a existing investor of the platform. So I think you know, going through things like this is very important. And of course, uh, you know, every investor can't be an expert. uh in every product so expecting everyone to do diligence on each deal is also not a uh very plausible idea and hence you know the track record aspect becomes a lot more pertinent when uh, uh, considering which platform to invest via understood any any other aspects that uh, you'd want them to look for uh sorry akshay i missed that question Uh, any other aspects like for the number one would be the track record what what other things should the should an investor look at so the investor should look at you know the the stability of the platform i mean are they funded do what is the uh, uh, you know backing look like how many employees do they have uh, you know how long have they been in the market uh, are they compliant with the regulation uh, you know what does that tech stack look like so a tech stack does not impact the 
returns directly but you know a platform with good tech a good dashboard sort of shows you commitment towards a longer term vision uh, towards stability in the organization so i think these things are very important um, you know to sort of evaluate uh, 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 you know through the entire life cycle understood and like how how should an investor let's say decide between which products to buy suppose a p2p product or a asset leasing invoice accounting deal like what what should he look for when he like suppose an investor doesn't have any exposure to an alternate asset class investment option how should he look for which like which should be the stepping stone for an investor so so i think you know an investor first should understand their own capital allocation requirements like do they need liquidity you know are they looking for uh, let's say a low up uh, uh, return but they want absolute uh, you know risk mitigation so they uh, what is the quantum of investment they're looking at so just to give you an idea you know if you want uh, instant liquidity obviously irrespective of any of these products your return will be marginally lower right so like let's say p2p uh, which gives you a fully liquid uh, return so you know those returns will be 11% whereas if you go into debt with similar kind of risk profile you'll probably get 14% but maybe not that same level of liquidity so you know that that's sort of a very important uh, aspect of it the quantum of funds you're investing usually also impacts so if you're doing like a 1 lakh rupee debt investment you'll probably end up getting a slightly more compromised uh, return on investment as opposed if you're doing a 15 lakh rupee debt investment so you know these different uh, nuances of a investor's behavior also uh, become a important aspect but just discussing the various asset classes so you know you have many alternative products you have invoice bill discounting you have uh, uh, revenue financing like you said your p2p fractional ownership uh, now of course you have online bond platforms so you know i think uh, another important thing is to ensure that whatever the uh, platform is whatever the structure is uh, it should be regulated by sebi i mean that's really how investors get last recourse so unless you feel that the returns are so substantial that you know those sort of offset your uh, uh risk from not having regulation you know unless that situation occurs i strongly always advise people to go with a platform uh you know that is sort of working with sebi or is sort of falling under one of sebi's frameworks and sir i think uh, these were my questions if anything you would like to highlight for you viewers any any words of wisdom and then we could wrap it up um no so i think it's a very interesting time a very interesting space right alternatives in india are relatively new as opposed to foreign countries i mean if you look at the us where we are today they were in about 2015 2016 with respect to the alternate investment platforms so like the fractional platforms over there were mature by the time the fractional platforms sort of became uh, over incepted in india so you know it's a it's a, a, a very large journey ahead very interesting journey ahead um so i'm i'm really looking forward to it and i'm really hoping that uh, you know with sabi support we are able to scale these innovative products innovative ideas uh, and get mainstream adoption into this segment interesting so thank you so much arimin and thank you for our viewers to join in yeah thanks a lot akshay thanks for having me and that's a wrap for today's episode of why not mint money remember investing always comes with its ups and downs and it's crucial to make informed decisions based on your financial goals if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the future episodes feel free to reach out to me on twitter or x and linkedin Until next time stay financially informed and ask yourself why not mint money
to stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Smartcast.com.